Hi, my name is Mary Zarnecki, and welcome to this episode of Sticky Note Marketing. I am thrilled today to introduce you to my guest expert. I've got Kay Miller here on the show, and Kay Miller is an expert on uncopyable sales, and she's going to tell us all about what that means and how you can differentiate yourself with a personal brand, and we're also going to be talking about the moose, which I'm really excited about hearing about. So welcome, Kay, to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) Terrific. Well, I know we're going to talk about this moose thing in just a second, but for those who may not be familiar with you and your book, would you mind just giving a quick intro to where you've been and how you've got to where you are now? Sure. I'm just hoping. Oh, yes, I do have my book right here. I was the first woman ever hired in outside sales for the company called Amarok. And that was a hardware company. And I kind of had to get scrappy and get that first job because the job market was really tough at that time. And I'm probably older than most people listening. I know I'm older than you. Graduated from college in 1982. And so I wanted to go into marketing because I had a marketing degree, but I found out I'm qualified for sales which turned out to be a blessing. But, you know, sales has a really negative connotation. And I just read a recent article. In fact, there's an article quoted in my book. Yes, we're going to be talking about my book, about how young people do not want to go into sales because they think of it as the slimy, pushy, manipulative salespeople of the past, the used car salespeople. And that's kind of what I thought. But It's so far from the truth. And that never felt right to me. And so I was very successful with Amarok. And I have some fun stories about what it took to get there. Because as a young woman in a male-dominated industry, oh my gosh, it I had to go work through a lot of fear. And my very first sales call on my own, I ended up driving into the parking lot and backing out. And running away because I was afraid. And so in my book, I talk a lot about how to overcome fear because it's such a common emotion of salespeople. And it really is a good sign in a way because it means that you are pushing yourself, you're going for opportunities. So so that fear was really part of my the education in sales. Then I went to work for a company called Walker Exhaust. And it is an automotive muffler and catalytic converter company. And even though they had a few women, I was one of just the few and I became the number one salesperson. So I beat even the guys. I beat the women that were on the team and I beat the men and I really excelled. I got a trophy. (laughs) I got an award, all these fun things. So through those early years, especially, I learned a lot about what sales is. And again, it's not that pushy, manipulative style of selling. I define sales and in my book too, in uncopyable sales as helping the customer. So if you can really help the customer get what they want, hey, that's a fun profession and it's profitable too. Well, and I love it. I love that approach, right? Because It is true. So many people, when we hear the word sales, we immediately get that emotional reaction of, oh, what are they going to push on me? As opposed to making it more like a matchmaking game, right? What what do I have to offer that's going to make your life easier? And I, I really appreciate 
this approach because sales and marketing, right? We're, we're so closely linked. And after spending my career in marketing, trying to help enable my sales partners with the right materials, it always made it feel better when the salesperson was on the same page in terms of that approach. So how did you turn it around from that, that first sales call that sounded like a bit of a disaster? What was it that, that shifted that for you that someone listening today who hasn't quite been able to make that shift, what enabled you to do that? Well, I have to tell you that when I drove away from that first sales call, you know, the curse words were flying. (laughs) I don't swear a lot, but I sure dropped some F-bombs on that day. I was so mad at myself and I had a goal. I had a goal to be a successful salesperson, to prove myself, to help the customers. I really am a people person. I love working with people. I love it. One of my customers from the muffler company wrote me a letter, wrote, actually, he sent it to my boss and he said that Kay has become a valuable asset. I don't know what we would do without her. And so that was my mission to create customers like that, to make sales like that and to, you know, make the the money and have the status and get all the perks from being successful in sales. So I really had that mission, that long-term goal that got me through those days. But, you know, I just recently heard again, I'm sure so many people have said it, courage is not the lack of fear. Courage is doing it through fear. So if you're not afraid of something, you're not having courage. So it's a matter of really constantly doing the things that you are afraid of. So the next day after that failure, I went back into the that lumberyard and I said, I don't care if I fall flat on my face as I walk through the parking lot, I am going into the door and I am going to meet the the manager and ask if I can come back and, and have a sales call. And he said, yes, right. And of course, the worst thing he could have said was would be no. And I got those two. But you just if you know where you're going, what you want to accomplish, who you are, you can get through those foibles and mistakes and, you know, flubs, whatever. There's a lot of F's in there. Foibles (laughs) and flubs. Oh, I guess mistakes isn't, but you just have to keep going back. You have to persevere as Angela Duckworth in her book. I love that book called grit. You just have to have grit. You have to keep doing that and and you will get better. I think that's such a good point. Cause I mean, so often we can say, oh, well, I'll do that hard thing later, right? I'll go, I'll go through this part of my to-do list first. And really, it's it's the hard thing that's going to make make the biggest difference. Right. And it's the hard thing that's going to make you feel the best about yourself and give you that momentum to do more. You know, an, an analogy is that my daughter is a golfer and she golfed all through high through all through the years in high school and even in college. And putting is such a big part of the, the game. And, you know, they say drive for show and putt for dough. So the, the, the match comes down to the putts, right? And it was so interesting to watch not only my daughter, but all of the golfers. And you can even see it in the professional golf mat, you know, matches, the PGA tournaments, that once someone misses a putt, their shoulders fall a little bit. And then chances are they miss another putt and you can just see the body language falling. But when somebody is on a roll and they make a putt, 
all of a sudden, hmm, their shoulders rise. They make another one and they get momentum. And that is really what has always saved me through sales is going out and doing the thing that will be successful, make me successful so that it will give me the momentum to keep going. So it's really like, you know, they old preachers used to say, you got to dig down deep. <laughs> you got to <laughs> find like that. Dig deep, create that momentum. And that momentum keeps you going, gives you that incentive. So yeah. I teased people at the beginning a little bit about this moose concept. So tell us a little bit about why it's important to focus on your moose. Focusing on your moose is very important. And that is in the incopiable language. That is what we call your ideal target market. And I think one of the big problems that or mistakes that salespeople make is we spray and pray. We just blast things. And of course, as marketing, you blast things out to everyone and you just try to call on everyone and get everyone to buy. When being more strategic is really the key to sales. And when I became the number one salesperson for Walker, I was very strategic. I had to look at the accounts, the distributors and the, you know, the warehouses I sold, you know, at the higher level who fed down into the muffler shops. I had to be really careful and analyze which of those would serve me the best. Because once I work with a customer, I am going to be the best salesperson they have ever had. But I can't do that for everyone. And I don't want to do it for the people that won't be worth my time. And probably I won't be worth their time. Like you said, it's got to be a match. And, and taking the time to find that match before you start any of your sales process is really one of the top keys to being successful, especially when you're talking about the numbers. Because any salesperson who has, you know, a number on their head. Now, my daughter, speaking of, she's in outside sales now, and there is always a number on her head. And so she is constantly scanning her territory to see who are the, the accounts that will bring me the most sales because I got to make my sales goal. Mm -hmm. So the moose is the customer that you've defined as your very best target. A lot of times it helps to look at your current customers. Who are the best customers who pay? Who are the customers that pay, that see the value that you love working with? You know, usually all those things go together. One red flag often means stay away. So a moose is really that person that you are going to have a great fit with and they are worth finding. And I think it's important to highlight for those of you guys listening, Kay said something very important there. And I don't want you to miss it, which is that it's a both way match, right? They're ideal for you in terms of being the best chance to meet your target, right? That helps you get to your goal, but you're also a match for them. Like you were saying, it has to be a two way street. Right. And by the way, if you want to hear about how the moose story started, please read my book, Uncopyable Sales Secrets. You can read all the wonderful reviews on Amazon, or you can just go get one. You need to read this book. Absolutely. Highly recommend the book that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So definitely for those of you guys listening, we are going to include a link here with this episode so you can go check out Uncopyable Sales by Kay Miller. So definitely highly recommended. Okay. So the other question I had for you, which came up in the book and some of the other content I've, I've read of yours is how to think like and why it's important to think like Sherlock Holmes. Now I'm a huge mystery fan, huge Sherlock Holmes fan. 
And if anyone is listening and hasn't read Sherlock Holmes or watched Sherlock Holmes, that's your homework. But tell us a little bit about what does that mean in the context of being successful with sales? Well, we all do know Sherlock Holmes on some level. He is a famous <laughs> master detective. And if you don't have a, your screen on, I've got a wonderful prop about Sherlock Holmes and I want you to remember how he is an investigator. He doesn't just take things at face value. He solves clues as if he solves mysteries. I'm sorry. He solves mysteries by using clues. And it's such a great analogy for sales because I think the bad salespeople who are not listening to this podcast, they just go in and give their spiel, right? They just blah, 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 blah. Tell them everything. The better salespeople ask questions. You know, what do you need? What are, what do you want? What are your goals? But the Sherlock salespeople really go beyond and learn more about their customer and hopefully, ideally give them a solution that the customer didn't even think about. And in this day and age of the internet, we can go on and we can find out so much about a product or a service, but there are things that you as the salesperson that you know that can help them that they do not know. And I just did a webinar for a, a manufacturer and they make a real exciting product because I'm really drawn to exciting products. They make dipsticks and cables for trucks. <laughs> And so we talked about their distributor salespeople and how by looking around at what kind of inventory they have and how they're storing things, how they're using things, they can help the distributor realize, wow, we could use much less space for the inventory on this product because we can get something that is customizable. And then that will allow us to carry, you know, another product that will give us a better profit margin. And the customer says, I never thought of that. And I have ton of, tons of examples. I have examples in the book. Really, Sherlock means being investigative and looking for the solution that isn't obvious. One of the things I, one of the quotes I love is Henry Ford. And Henry Ford said, if I would have asked people what they wanted, they would have asked for faster horses, right? You've heard that saying. Oh, I love that quote, yeah. And when you think of the iPhone, of, of course, we didn't say, gee, I sure wish I had an iPhone. We didn't even know. So what we are providing for our customers is a solution beyond what they could have figured out on their own. That is why we become an asset, somebody that is a partner with them and that they need on their team. So thinking like Sherlock, is the way that you find out that information. You're observing the person, what they say. You're observing their body language, like the golfers who start, you know, sinking lower and lower and slouching. And you look at the environment. You, you learn about their business. You can also learn about them as a person when you go into your office, their office. You know, you immediately, when you saw my office, saw the moose. Okay, so you know something about me. So when you go into your customer's office or surroundings, look around. And I think it's important because we all get kind of in our routine and our rut. And I find with 
when I'm working with companies that have salespeople that call on the same customers over and over, you kind of forget to really have your radar up and to really observe every single time you go into a customer, think, what can I learn that I didn't know last time? So that is the Sherlock. Does that, did I do a pretty good job of explaining that? No, I love that. I love that analogy. I love that idea because it is true. I've been sold to, I've worked with salespeople my entire career. And I can't tell you, that's where the ickiness comes from, right? Where it's like someone who comes in and you know, they're reading off a script or, you know, they've memorized the script and they don't even ask any questions. They don't treat you like an individual. And I would say that not to beat up on my B2B salespeople, but like, I see it happen probably more often in B2B sales than B2C sales, but not always. Do you, do you think that there's a difference or do you think that there are certain things if you're in sales for B2B versus a B2C situation that people need to keep in mind when it comes to that curiosity component? Well, my background really is in all B2B, but I think of relationship selling. If you're in B2C, you're just selling a one-time thing. It's not as important. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to build a relationship and do some of those things really fast. But anytime that you are in a relationship sale, which I'm sure most of your listeners, if you're B2C and you're listening, you are working with someone on an ongoing basis. And yes, I think that we get, you know, we get out of the habit of really looking at this with new eyes every time Mm -hmm. with really observing. I think it really applies to both. If you're selling maybe a network marketing product, you, you just start, you know, sending the order every month without saying, okay, well, what's going on with you now? You know, what have, have things changed since the last time we talked, you know, are you stressed or you can't sleep or you whatever? I'm kind of thinking of that example because we buy a, a, a doTERRA oils <laughs> and our, the person that sells them to us is great. She does do that. She always asks what's going on now. So I think whether you're B2B or B2C, we really have to be mindful of not getting into the rut of just not paying attention. We've right. got so that, to pay attention month, every time. Monthly order come in or not, it's more than that, right? Yeah. And, and distributor salespeople get into the order taking. They say, okay, what's missing? What do you need? They fill in that order and they're gone. Instead of every time looking around and saying, hmm, what other opportunities are there for you? Because if you are selling more, they are going to be selling more too. So it's it's a true win-win. I love that. Like you were saying, I mean, that even that example you used about observing how they could actually store things better, which means that they can carry more inventory, which means they make more revenue, which means you're actually act, acting as almost like a strategic consultant for them. That's so bringing right. them new opportunities that they couldn't have found for themselves. I think that's and, like a huge win. And so when we going back to the part where we said people don't like sales, you know, sales is manipulative or icky or pushy or talking people into something that they don't want. You know, I keep hearing that doesn't work anymore. I don't think it ever did because as we are all buyers and and I always just think, okay, put yourself in the customer's shoes. How would you feel? Because I have also had someone try to sell me with a script and I could smell a rat. I could smell it a mile away. And I, it's a no, it's a no right away. Same thing when they say, well, would you like to talk today at two or tomorrow at four? Like someone's going to say, oh, I, there's no option to not talk. So I guess I have to pick one of those. (laughs) No, that's ridiculous. So 
the kinds of sales that that you believe in and I believe in is is really helping customers not only get what they want, but have a better outcome than they would on their own. I think that's so, so important to remember. So one last question for you, Kay, today, because I know a lot of the folks listening here, and it's a big topic of conversation in my community, is about how to stand out from the competition. And you mentioned, obviously, your success and applying your approach to rising to the top of the teams, the sales teams that you've been on. But are there other other aspects, something like creating a personal brand or identifying your skill set versus others or positioning yourselves for success that you've seen be really important in terms of standing out from the competition from other people that do maybe just what you do? Exactly. And and there are your competition probably does sell a very similar product. We I have a cup a friend who is a superstar salesperson and he worked for a distributor for industrial products. And then he left and went to a different distributor that sold similar products. And after his non-compete clause was over, guess what? He took all his customers with him because the products were not really what the customer was buying. The products were good enough. But when a customer is buying something, they are buying you. You are part of the package. And this particular guy, the salesperson, is named Kelly, which is kind of confusing because he's my husband's golf buddy and our daughter's name is Kelly. And <laughs> I'm constantly getting them confused. And Steve will say, oh, guess what Kelly said? And he'll say something you know, vulgar and I'll say, what? <laughs> oh, no, not our Kelly. Oh, good. So one of his branding promises is nobody will take better care of you than I will. So I think with your branding, one place to start is to say, what is your branding promise as a salesperson? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm assuming it's going to include trust and that you'll follow up and that you'll do what you say you do, those basics, which unfortunately, or fortunately for us, are not all that common. I'm always amazed when I call someone back and they say, oh, thanks for calling me back. As if that's something unusual, right? <laughs> so true. So, and to stand out, one thing that is uncopyable isn't a thing. It's you. It's you and your personality. You have a story. You have quirks and you have habits or interests that make you unique. So being authentic and genuine, and of course, it is all about the customer, but you need them to know enough about you to connect. You know, before we got on, I, I asked you about your boys and, and I'm curious. I'm a curious person. And that is really, you mentioned it before, absolutely necessary in sales to be curious and want to know. So being curious is good. Also, as you can see, if you're watching this, I have an orange scarf. <laughs> and do I have my orange glasses? Yes. Everything we do is orange, right? I love it. I orange love is it. our color. So now I'm wearing my orange glasses <laughs> and we give those away. And everything we do, our books are orange, our everything. We send books in orange boxes. And when people hear orange or see orange, they think of us. And we'll even get customers. One of them actually saw an orange moose, which ties in moose and orange in a at a restaurant in Wisconsin and sent us a picture. And Steve and I said, we've got to go there. So 
for Steve and I, because my husband and I, and I work together on this brand, there are three words that if you look these up on the internet, nobody else will come up. And that is moose, orange, and uncopyable. So we have three words. We invented the word uncopyable as a marketing word. We've stuck with orange. We've gone big with it. And we've turned moose into a language that all our clients understand. We, every time they, we don't say target market, moose just rolls off their tongue. So we've done those things to separate us that, you know, nobody is like us. And the last thing I, I would recommend is getting to know your customer on a whole new level. And I have a story in the book about the time that I learned to install a muffler now. <laughs> and so I, how, how are we doing on time, by the way? Oh, we're good. We're good. Okay. So I'll go into a little bit of it because <laughs> this was back in the day of the movie Flashdance. Have you seen Flashdance? Yes. Yes. Of course. Hopefully everyone listening has seen Flashdance. If you haven't, you should watch it. So Jennifer Beals, this gorgeous woman is wants, wants to be a dancer and she ends up being very successful. But in the beginning, she just had to do a regular old job. And that job was welding. She was welding on assembly line. So in the opening of the movie, you see this person welding. You assume it's a man, but the welding torch is put down. The helmet is pulled off. And here's gorgeous Jennifer Beals. Face glistening, hair falling in waves over her shoulders. So I just have to give that little backstory because when I went to my muffler shop and said, will you teach me to install a muffler? Boy, was he was surprised. Nobody had ever asked to do that. But I wanted to learn about my customer's situation from their perspective. And I also wanted to get credibility because as a young woman in this field, I didn't, you know, I didn't even have a very good driving record, let alone know about the the innards of the cars. <laughs> so, so I spent a day in the muffler shop and I had to go get steel toe boots and I had to get this welding costume and a helmet. And I spent the afternoon and they showed me how to take the muffler, old muffler systems off and how to put the new ones on and how to weld them and all those things that are entailed. So I can say I've been there. But at the end of the day, you know, these welding torches are surprisingly heavy. So I've got this over my head all day, right? And finally, we're done. So I put the welding torch down and I start to take my helmet off. And guess what I thought of? <laughs> I'm That's thinking, fair. I've got a Jennifer Beals moment coming on, right? So I take my helmet off and there's silence in the in the shop. And I look across the shop, there's a little utility sink with a mirror over it. And I did not look like Jennifer Beals. <laughs> my hair was stuck to my head like it had been painted on. My face is bright red. Mascara is running down the, my cheeks and the, they kind of got a good giggle out of that. And the thought, I just laughed at myself that I thought I might be Jennifer Beals. <laughs> Ah, uh, the difference between movie life. <laughs> yes, right. There's reality and there's no filters here, right? That story really put me on the map, especially because I was one of very few women that 
installed that worked for this company and I threw distribution. And of course it would never be required that I installed a muffler, but not only did I learn things about warranties and the fact that some warranties were better than others, even though they seemed like they were the same, different things that I could use to sell other customers. But I also gained the nickname Muffler Mama. <laughs> I love it. I hope was kind. All the guys were really great to me. But I encourage you listening to think about what kind of story can you come up with? So to prove, and I did that one time 30 years ago. And for years, people still actually still respect me because I did that. So what can you do that will create a story that no one else can copy? Or if they tried to copy, it would be so obvious that you own that. We own Moose. We own Orange. We own Sherlock now. Sherlock is one of our, <laughs> our pieces of language to explain how thoroughly you need to get to know the customer. So those are some of the ways that you can become uncopyable. I love that. I love that. And like you said, you you get this extra airtime in someone's brain when in their just daily lives, they now see a moose, they think of you, they see orange, they think of you, right? Now, all of a sudden you you are letting other things in their world, just normal everyday things act as your billboard because you've created this association in their mind. Exactly. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, I I definitely would probably have looked even worse after taking the building. <laughs> I think I probably would have looked know. more I like Chris rather than Jessica Beale. <laughs> oh, well, it was a very humbling moment. But like you said, Jessica, it, oh, oh, yes. Who did I say? Jennifer Beale. Jennifer Beale. Sorry, that's my yeah, bad. Jessica but, yeah, Jennifer Beale. Jennifer Beale is actually more my age, but and she still looks gorgeous. <laughs> So but I definitely crazy. probably would have looked more like Kiss with like the the streaming yeah, black yeah, thing. Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, you'd have your own look. And you know what? It would have been fine. That's another thing. I think we want to be too perfect. And and something I'm working on, I'm I'm developing my own podcast now and I'm doing more on social media. I'm really working on being authentic and genuine. Mm -hmm. And for me, that means being kind of goofy and being a dork. And it's okay. You know, people we want to see who each, you know, each other really is. So, oh, so yeah. And Be thankfully, yourself. I think this whole work from home quarantine thing that we've all gone through in the past few years has made people a little more open to realizing that being human is actually a good thing. You know, I've definitely had the kids crash podcast recordings and the dogs interrupt conference calls. And, you know, it is, it's really about making that human connection, like you were saying, that's going to set you apart. And I just want to make one comment on that, because I think we are part of a certain world of people, but I still see a lot of people who don't want to turn their cameras on in Zoom. Mm. And that is a huge mistake. You just got to bite the bullet and be on video because it's such an advantage. I mean, how much better do you think communication is over Zoom than a phone call? It's so much easier. I mean, we don't have all the clues we have as if we were live together and in person, but it's better than just a voice, right? You can actually see reactions. You can see body language. You know, I, I agree. I think if at all possible, it's as close as we're going to get to being in person. Yeah. So if you're in sales, find every opportunity to connect with your, your 
people. If not, if you can't do it in person, do it over video. Fantastic. Amazing tips. Well, hopefully everyone listening has their sticky notes filled with advice. Kay gave us several good gold nuggets here. Act like Sherlock, be curious, get those questions, focus on that moose and look at it as a match between what do you bring to them as well as what they're bringing to you. And definitely look for the link that's coming with this episode to make sure you're getting your hands on Kay's book, Uncopyable Sales Secrets. And I cannot wait to to read all of those stories. I mean, if that muffler story and the moose story are just one indication of all of the gold nuggets that you've buried in there, I'm super excited for everyone to, to get to uncover that. So thank you, Kay, for joining us today and sharing your knowledge with our audience. Mary, it has been such a pleasure. And I'm grateful to every one of you who is listening and watching and I I like to say, I believe in you because I do. I know someone who's taking the time to watch this podcast or listening wants to be better and you will get better. So always remember, be uncopyable. Now, I know before we sign off, you also mentioned that you had a free gift for our listeners today. Would you mind sharing what that's all about? I do. I do. I have a giveaway called Five Proven Secrets to Get in the Door. And they really are proven. And you know what? In this day and age, everyone seems to be doing the same thing. When you want to get a hold of a prospect, they want you send a LinkedIn message or you send an email. I've got other tools and ideas using direct mail or using video mail and on and on specific examples and how we've used them and our customers have used them to work and get in to see someone that you could not have connected with otherwise. It's pretty amazing. So yes, that will be available. Uh, Mary will share the link. So please go get that giveaway. It's free and it's really cool. I'll tell you one thing. Kay has some very unique ideas. These are not the run of the mill ideas. So get your hands on that as soon as possible. So thank you again, Kay. And looking forward to seeing what that giveaway has for everyone. Awesome. Well, thank you guys all for joining us. Stay curious. Like Kay said, be Sherlock, get those conversations going with those ideal customers and be the value driver that they wish every salesperson were, but you can actually stand apart by being that person. So I look forward to seeing everyone on the next episode in our expert guest series here. Look, stay tuned for the next episode of Sticky Note Marketing, and I will see you then. Cheers. Bye.